The Fab Four are by far the most megalithic band ever. This legendary lineup of likable lads from Liverpool have left behind a legacy like no other band that came before them. Let's be honest. We love them, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll break down the boisterous, brazen, brilliant, beloved Beatles on this week's episode of FYI. Welcome to For Your Info. English. You got it. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to this, another exciting edition of FYI. I'm excited to be here with you today. See? Exciting. Emocionante. Excited. Emocionado. So I am excited to be here with you today because we've got an exciting show, and we're going to be looking at the Fab Four. Fab meaning fabulous. This was a nickname that the Beatles had, the Fab Four. But before we get into the Beatles, I just wanted to take a moment to thank all of you guys for making this podcast such a success. Recently, we hit a hundred and 50,000 downloads. And that is thanks to you guys. So thank you so much for learning English with me, for laughing every week on the program. And a special thanks to my patrons who make this possible. Remember, guys, I have a curious community of students over on Patreon, and they get access to bonus audio, PDFs, classes with me, and tons of other content. You can find out more information on patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso. So a shout out to all my patrons, especially my super duper students, Mara, Javier, Francisco, Tony, Roberto, David, Jose Maria, Mila, Alex, Patricio, Edgar and Lolis. And don't forget about my interstellar students, Paco, Diego, Carmen, and Diana. If you guys want more information about how you can get additional content and join our curious community, you can go over to patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso. And as always, if you're looking for a sample, una muestra, just let me know. I don't mind. I'll send you a complimentary sample. And the word complimentary is another word for the word free. All right, so let's get into our intro. The first thing we heard was a crowd screaming, a crowd, un mogollón. And then I said, the Fab Four. This is the nickname that Americans gave to the Beatles. The Fab Four are by far, this is a great one to know, by far es con mucha diferencia. They are the most megalithic band out there. And that's another way of saying huge. They are their own entity. They stand alone. I mean, there are a lot of bands out there, but the Beatles are the Beatles. Then I said this legendary lineup. And it's interesting because the word lineup is the members of the group. So the current lineup serían los miembros actuales. But also a lineup, when we're talking about festivals, es una cartelera. And in fact, you can review that in our episode on festivals. 
Then I said, these likable lads, and the word lad is a boy, but it's a very English word. American wor- Americans don't use that word as much. So, likable lads from Liverpool, and likable es que caen bien. They left behind a legacy. Dejaron atrás un legado, like no other band that came before them. And then I said, let's be honest. Vamos a pronunciar esta palabra juntos Honest, no honest or honest, ah, honest. Let's be honest. And then I made a little joke using one of their songs. We love them, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the bonus part of today's show, we're going to take a look at some English we can learn from Beatles songs. And then I said, we will break down. To break down is desglosar. We will break down the boisterous. And boisterous is ruidoso. Yeah, well, what kind of group, what kind of rock group is not boisterous? They go hand in hand. Then I said, brazen. And brazen is descarados. Sin vergüenza. And that's what this Fab Four had. They were boisterous. They were brazened. They were also brilliant, and I think most people will agree, even if you're not a Beatles fan, that they did so much in so little time, and we're going to break it down in this episode of FYI. So let's start with their contribution, which I guess we could have a whole podcast dedicated just to the Beatles' contributions. In fact, there are podcasts that are just based on the Beatles. But the Beatles were first to do many, many things. They were the first ones to print the lyrics on their albums. Well, before that, people had to figure out what the lyrics were. Remember, we can say the lyrics or the words. And according to legend, and we're going to look at this legend along with other legends and the Beatles in pop culture, it supposedly happened in Almería. A man asked John Lennon, a man, not any man, an English teacher, said to John Lennon, Hey, John, um, can you put the lyrics? Uh, Because I can't understand all the words, and I'm using your songs to teach English. And John listened, and after that, every Beatles album had lyrics on it. And other bands followed suit. And to follow suit is hacer lo mismo. We'll talk about that a little bit later on, because that's depicted in a movie and in many other things that have depicted the Beatles throughout the years. Another first for the Beatles was creating music videos. Now it's commonplace, es muy normal, to see people in their videos. In fact, it's a great way for bands to showcase their image, their music, their look, you know? So music videos have become part of a rock group or really any genre. And they were also the first to hold a stadium concert. Well, I guess they were the first ones who sold out everywhere they played. So they needed a bigger space. And they played one of their most famous concerts was Yankee Stadium. Although that's an infamous concert because they said that you could barely hear the band because of the screaming. And we're going to talk about that in the bonus part today. We're going to talk about why Beatles concerts smelled like piss. Yeah, you heard me correctly. Pee, wee, meado, orina, urine. Yeah, but I'll tell you why in the bonus part of today's show. 
Another thing that the Beatles did first was the devil horns. I mean, these are synonymous with rock and roll, these devil horns. And I know a lot of people say that it was Lemmy from the group Motorhead. But all you have to do is look at John Lennon's cartoon figure on the Yellow Submarine on the cover. And apparently that's the first time on an album cover. Hence, y por eso, making it famous. So, it wasn't Lemmy, it was the original rock and roller, John Lennon. And if you haven't seen it, check out the cover of Yellow Submarine. Que, de hecho, mi padre, como pronuncia como gelatina, la palabra yellow, mi padre decía, the Jello Submarine. Y te puedes imaginar, can you picture this? I went to kindergarten and the teacher said, what's your favorite song? And I said, the Jello Submarine. And, well, the whole class started cracking up. And I didn't get it. And then the teacher politely corrected me and said, it's not jello, it's yellow. And then I went home and said, Dad, you told me it was jello. He goes, yes, it's jello. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> and that's when I realized that my father didn't pronounce like everybody else. So jello and yellow. Yellow is the color. Jello is gelatina. And another thing about the Beatles, speaking of the way it sounds and the way it's spelled, the word beetle, el, el insecto, escarabajo, you say, is not spelt that way. It actually has two E's. It's B-E-E-T-L-E. -E -E. So why did the Beatles change it? Why did they change the spelling of the word escarabajo? Well, it's because it has the word beat in it. Beat, ritmo. So it made sense. Beatles. Why did they name themselves after uh, some kind of bug? I don't know. It's just weird. Well, there is a reason behind it. There was a band that was really popular before the Beatles, and they were called Buddy Holly and the Crickets. John Lennon was a huge fan, and many say they paved the way for future bands like the Beatles. Buddy Holly and the Crickets, you see? Ellos tenían insectos, they had grillos. So the beetle said, well, we're going to be escarabajos. And, well, we have the whole animal kingdom before we realize it. And that was the beetles being punny. Yeah, I pronounced it correctly. Funny and punny. Those are two different words. Funny is gracioso. Punny is gracioso porque es un juego de palabras, because it's a pun. So let's go back to the beginning and see how this most iconic band ever got its start. It was March 1957, and John Lennon formed a skiffle group. And skiffle was kind of a genre of music, one of the, the predecessors of rock and roll. And the name of the group was called the Quarrymen. Now, a quarry is una Cantera. And it's because this was the name of their high school. It was something like Quarry High School. It was an area near them. So they said, well, we're the Quarry Men. And then on July 6th of that same year, remember, we're in 1957 right now, John Lennon met Paul McCartney. And that is the day that two of the greatest songwriters decided to team up and be one, Lennon and McCartney. Now, I guarantee they had no idea of the importance of that moment, but it took place at the Woolton Parish Church. Now, the Woolton Parish Church is a, exactly what it sounds like, a church event. 
That's a good trivia question. Where did John Lennon and Paul McCartney meet? Well, yeah, it was a gig at Aumbolo, but it was at a church. Ooh, it's just so un-rock and roll. Then another important date was a little bit later. That was February 1958. So the following year, this young guitarist named George Harrison was invited to watch the group perform. This was in Liverpool as well, where they're from. And, well, they were convinced when they saw him and he became a regular player. But they still weren't the Beatles that we know and love. They went through a lot of different members. To use the word from before, they went through a lot of different lineups. And then, on this fateful day, August 17th in 1960, the Quarrymen became the Beatles. And music would change forever. Well, not really. It's not that simple. Well, first you have to record songs, and you have to rehearse, and you need a record deal if you want to sell your music because you need someone to promote and distribute that music. So you're thinking, all right, well, it was the Beatles. The first production company that they went to signed them. No, it didn't happen like that. In fact, they were turned down to be turned down as rechazados. They were turned down by Decca. Now, Decca was a big, big music company. They produced a lot of artists, but they passed on the Beatles. So this was uh, New Year's Day. New Year's Day is el primero del año, 1962. And the Beatles drove from Liverpool to London, not exactly a hop, skip, and a jump away. A hop, skip, and a jump is al ladito. And they went over there uh, with these 15 songs that they recorded in just over an hour. Now, did you hear what I said? 15 songs in one hour? Are you kidding me? Well, they went over there with this little collection of songs that they had written. Three of them were original songs by Lennon and McCartney. So they were songs that we would end up hearing. But these, these nervous lads from Liverpool... Maybe they weren't uh, on their game. On their game is quizá no estaban al cien por cien. Because what happened was Decca said, eh, no thanks, guys. Thanks for the offer, but we're going to give it a, a pass. And so they kept on trying, as you do, and they eventually signed with EMI. Now, I imagine that Decca was kicking themselves. I mean, they were pretty upset that they missed out on signing perhaps one of the greatest rock bands ever. But the following year, they made up for it, and they ended up signing a group called the Rolling Stones. They might ring a bell. So I guess, uh, you know, they realized they made a big mistake, and they weren't going to let another group pass them by. Now, we already said that they were pretty fast. 15 songs. I mean, think about that. It takes like three or four minutes to play a song. So you're literally not pausing and you're not doing any second takes or anything like that. And the truth of the matter is they were really effective. I mean, no four people on the planet Earth were more productive than the Beatles. IMO, in my opinion. Well, just think of their, their first album. This was February 11th, 1963. And on that day, that momentous day, these lads from Liverpool recorded 10 songs that would appear on the debut album. The album is Please, Please. 
please me. Y de ahí podemos aprender con placer. Saying, por favor, compláceme. Please, please me. Well, at the end of this 12-hour session, they had to record the last track. And that track was Twist and Shout, Twist and Shout. And anybody who has ever heard that song knows that John Lennon was destroying his vocal cords as he sang that. And that was the end of it. I mean, thank God that was the last song of the day. So when you hear that recording, that is really John Lennon giving it everything he's got because he knows he's going home after a 12-hour day. So translation, they recorded their first album, Please Please Me, in a day, in one session. And John Lennon said, I'm going to try in my best Liverpudlian accent, that last song nearly killed me, obviously referring to the song Twist and Shout. And then he goes on to say, my voice wasn't the same for a long time after. Every time I swallowed, it was like sandpaper. And I think sandpaper, you say lija. So he really destroyed his voice and needed to recover. Well, let's hope he learned his lesson there. But that raw recording is still there. And when you listen to that album and you think to yourself that that was recorded in one day, it is mind-blowing. Now, it takes artists months with all kinds of guest musicians and executive producers, I mean, to produce two or three songs. And the Beatles, from the get-go, desde el primer momento, they were productive. They were fast. They made it happen. And it didn't compromise the quality. The songs were amazing. Just because they were made quickly doesn't mean that they weren't good. So they always had that concentration as well on making sure it sounded good. And the Beatles went through many, many different phases. As I said, we could do a whole podcast just on their trip to Hamburg, which we'll talk about that a little bit later on. It's pretty unbelievable. We'll look at the Beatles' long hair phase, the clean-cut phase. Clean-cut is pulcro, limpito, no, bien vestido. But I think the turning point, el punto de inflexión, is when the Beatles went to the United States. And as we said, they conquered the United States. And why was that important? Because no British band had really done that before. We had our music. We had Elvis. We had all our country music and folk and blues. So we didn't need that stuff. And the band and even their manager, I mean, they were a bit nervous because despite their huge popularity in the UK, well, nobody knew who they were in the United States. So this was going to be a big thing. It was make or break because no British act had ever had sustained commercial success with American audiences. So this was a, a litmus test, as we say. And did it work? Oh, my God. It was the beginning of the end. Beatlemania had hit the United States and thus the rest of the world. And on February 7th, 1964, the Fab Four aboard a Pan Am Yankee Clipper Flight 101 arrived from London Heathrow at New York's JFK Airport, and the world changed forever. And that, 
along with, of course, their appearance on the Ed Sullivan Show, which was another huge moment. Because, yeah, when they arrived, there were thousands of screaming fans waiting to greet them at the airport. But they also had some TV dates on the Ed Sullivan Show, which was kind of the show that introduced music to the young people, to American audiences. So that's why it was make or break. They were going on the biggest show in the United States, and let's see how it goes. And did it work out? Absolutely. In fact, let's play a little newsreel from that day. This is a newsreel from February 7th, 1964. This is a reporter named Chet Huntley who is reporting on the Beatles' arrival at JFK. Let's give it a listen. Well, the Beatles arrived in New York today and advanced almost to the Hudson. The four English musical stars with their pudding bowl haircuts were greeted by about 4,000 shrieking teenagers at Kennedy Airport and mobbed by another large group of juveniles when they got to the Plaza Hotel. All day long, some local disc jockeys had been encouraging truancy with repeated announcements of the Beatles' travel plans, flight number, and estimated time of arrival. British journalists tell us that the record company had 16 press agents handling the arrival, but we wouldn't know much about that. However, like a good little news organization, we sent three camera crews to stand among the shrieking youngsters and record the sights and sounds for posterity. Our film crews acquitted themselves with customary skill and ingenuity. The pictures were very good, but someone asked what the fuss was about, and we found we had no answer. So, good night for NBC News. And they all lived happily ever after. Y comieron perdices. Uh, no. I wish, I wish our story ended that way, but it didn't end that way. As many of you guys know, the Beatles had tons of success, but it was fleeting, fugaz, and it's because they ended up breaking up. That's right, they split up. This is not news. Everybody in the world knows this. In fact, some people even blame Yoko Ono, but I think that's unfair. But John Lennon's former girlfriend and, well, lover, because he was with her when he was with Yoko Ono, her name was May Pang, and she remembers the moment that John Lennon officially ended the Beatles. It was in her book, Instamatic Karma, which is another play on words. And she said that John hung up the phone. Now, the, the funniest part about this, do you know where they were? They were at Disney World. Can you imagine that? I mean, Disney's a famous place, but it's also the place where they put the final nail in the coffin of the Beatles, como va la expresión. And this was in early 1970. So John, uh, he hung up the phone, he looked out the window, he picked up his pen, and he signed on the dotted line. And with that signature, with his John Hancock, he officially ended the Beatles as a rock and roll band. So there's another great trivia question. The Beatles broke up at Disney World. Well, not technically, but kind of. The final album cover photo, which was the four Beatles, it's probably one of the most iconic photos, not Beatles photos, I mean photos, in the whole world. And it's this one of them crossing the crosswalk, ya sé que es un poco redundante, crossing the crosswalk in front of Abbey Road Studios. And this took place, this photo shoot, in 1969. But the other day, I was on the internet, and I saw the photo behind the photo. 
So the the original photograph, the one that was you know done by a professional photographer for the album cover, his name was Ian McMillan. He took the official photos, but Paul McCartney's wife Linda was over there too, and she says, "Well, I'm going to capture this moment too." And so she took a picture of this small, this tiny little elderly woman talking to Ringo as Paul is fixing his jacket collar. It just seems like a great picture because I, I, my whole life I've seen that famous picture. But just recently, this one has seen the light of day, the one of the old woman. I'll post it on Patreon. Remember, guys, a lot of the stuff that I mention here on these episodes, I later post on Patreon so you can see it, hear it. For example, the audio clip that I played, I will share the the actual video clip on my Patreon. So again, if you want more content, if you're thirsty or hungry for more English and you can't get enough, go over to patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso and join us. And so that was their last picture, right? Well, when was their last gig? This is interesting because their last live performance was on the roof of Savile Row headquarters. This was in London. It was on January 30th, 1969. And it was planned to be the climax of the documentary Get Back. Now that later ended up being Let It Be. But this was being filmed for a documentary. It wasn't even really a gig, so to speak. So when was their real last gig? Like the last time they toured and played on stage together. Well, that was two years before this rooftop performance. They had officially finished touring in August 1966 with their last show in San Francisco. And that marked the end of of an era. And the Beatles will always be remembered in our memories, in our hearts and minds, and especially when we're singing their songs. I know my mother made me a Beatles fan. She was such a big Beatles fan that she got me into the Beatles. And it's no wonder that they are the best-selling music act of all time. They hold the record for most number one albums on the UK chart, the most number one hits on the Billboard Hot 100, and the most singles sold in the UK. And let's not even mention the seven Grammy Awards and every other award. But I think one of the greatest rewards, not awards, one of the greatest rewards is the fact that they have inspired so many, not just musicians and artists, but young people. And that's what the Beatles stood for. Youth, rebellion, and those things that are rock and roll. And when you think about it, the Fab Four were only together for eight years. That's right, 1962, if you count when Ringo joined the band, to early 1970. Eight years. Now, that's less time than Britney Spears or Justin Bieber or many of these groups today. But they managed to put out such a catalog of music that it would take you months to listen to all their songs. And I've got to say, as a Beatles fan... I rarely skip a song. Rara vez me salto una canción. Well, as we can see, the Beatles' legacy will live on forever. It'll also live on and continue in the bonus part of today's FYI.